All right, welcome to episode nine, I believe, of the Angus and Jason podcast. Yep. Uh, today we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> talk about something, but before we talk about something, we're gonna talk about what I was doing today, and maybe we can also hear about what Jason was doing today if he wants to tell us. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. So, um, man, I found something really weird. Like, in I use an iPhone. I don't know if you do, Jason. No. Do you? Android. No? Okay. All right. Um, on this iPhone, they have this application called the gallery application. That's where your photos are. It's pretty cool. So yep. you can take a photo. You can see the photos in that gallery. It's it's a smart idea because you don't want to just take photos and never see them. So yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving them a lot of credit here. Okay. Yeah. Fair no, enough. No, it's just... like I remember one time <laughs> during some hackathon or something my job was to make the save game file for a game yeah somebody else was going to do the load game yeah and i was like surely it should be the same person <laughs> but they were like no we'll split it up like this and then i was like okay so i made the save game file and i just wrote like a random character to the file and i was like it's your responsibility <laughs> <laughs> to represent that as a state i did my part anyway i was just being a joke anyway so um <laughs> This gallery app has got, like, if you take pictures, yeah. and the pictures might be, like, a road sign or whatever. Or <laughs> Did you might take some great pictures, Angus? I do, actually, for, okay. for specifically. Yeah, go ahead. But if there's text in these pictures, you can kind of, like, zoom in on the text and then press on it, and it will, like, uh, allow you to select the text. Oh, and that's you cool. Can, it is cool, because you can, like, copy and paste it, or it might right. be, like, a phone number or an email address or something. And then you can copy and paste it and then use it, like, you know in some other app um and i guess you know how do they do that that's like using optical character recognition you know ocr um and i was trying out that new feature the like gallery ocr feature and it's really good like incredibly accurate um especially since it all happens locally it's all happening on the iphone it's not um going off to some supercomputer somewhere um so i thought uh I thought that's a bit weird because I tried out their OCR API a few months ago and it was crap. Like, you put in an image, tell it to find the text, and it would just come back with a bunch of junk. Like, you would get some of the stuff right, but most of it was wrong. Hmm. Um, So, the last time I tried it was like a different version of iOS and I thought, okay, maybe they, you know, improved the algorithm or whatever. So, today I tried out the... um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I like updated my iPhone, updated my Xcode, and I wrote some code that would like try get the text out of an image. And it was still crap. And I was thinking, what the hell is going on? Right, that is really weird. The, on- so the only thing I can think is like, okay, it's like some other algorithm for gallery. It's the same photos that you tried, like yeah, just- yeah, same okay. photos. Um. It's either like they have some other algorithm for the gallery or, you know, when you select text on an image, you usually zoom in to that text and then you press down. And I think that might be a clue to the uh, algorithm that like look for text in this specific region. And then maybe it's more accurate as opposed to just look for text in this. You can always yeah. try that. Go and grab just like... Um, mm-hmm take a snippet of that image and then try it on the SDK version again. But yeah, that sounds really weird. Yeah, um, it's like 
if you take a photo immediately, the OCR is not quite available yet. So if right. I take a photo of like um, some text on, yeah, just take a photo of some text, and then I try select that text, it takes like five, six seconds before it's selectable. So, so do you want to apply this to something in particular? Yep. Or, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, because I've been making this app, I think I told you, I've been making this app that's like supposed to help people learn to read Chinese. Because I think reading and writing Chinese is pretty hard. Yeah. And um, so my idea is like you just take <laughs> photos of stuff around you, like street signs. Oh, yeah. We have notices. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You take photos of these things and then it'll group that text into words because like you know in Chinese one character is a word but then two or three or four characters together is also a word so like fire is a word and then car is a word and if you combine fire and car that's train (laughs) (laughs) I'm disappointed it's like not a car that's on fire Um, but yeah yeah Yeah. no I get what you mean Um, and then like fire no wait hot is a word and dog is a word and if you combine it it's hot dog I think that one came from English yeah it, <laughs> like that would be <laughs> but it I is a separate word anyway so I've been try- I've been doing that and I'm I I was using like a external you know uh, web based service to do the OCR but I would much rather do it on the device because it's like faster and you don't need an internet connection it's also better for privacy reasons yeah. so I, I've been trying to figure out what's going on there and you know, no luck really, but like, um, there's nothing on the forums or no one you can contact about that. I, I didn't really look at the. I looked at the forums a bit, but it's. Uh, I didn't look at the forums. I just Google searched around. Couldn't find anything. So I, right. I'm I'm pretty lazy, man. So <laughs> I tried for two minutes, and I was like, "There's no obvious answer here." <laughs> um, yeah, and the other thing is, like, I can do it. I can build the application with like, you know, a web, a web service instead. It's just. I think kind of worse because you need to wait maybe like five six seconds to get a response from the web service. Yeah. Because you're actually uploading an image, so. Yeah. And what if you're on an airplane and you want to know what like <laughs> some it's sign on niche, the airplane? Isn't it? I don't know. Well, I for your app a, specifically. If the tr- if the plane was crashing and then like the instruction <laughs> manual is like in Chinese, you want to know. You were so calm if you were like, the plane is crashing, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone's freaking out, losing their shit. And you're like, it's wait, 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 this is okay. I got Angus's app for this exact situation. They pull out their instruction manual. For some reason, the hostess isn't like giving them instructions in the native language. We'll go beyond that. And it's just like, like scanning the thing. You're like, no internet connection. No. What am I supposed to do? Should I brace or should I stand up? I don't know. Oh, if only the app worked without oh an internet connection. Yeah. yeah anyway, yeah. so that's what I was doing today. That that was a bummer. Yep. Um. But uh, should we talk about the uh, the video game article? Oh yeah, yeah. We can go into that. Um. Yeah, I don't know. If there's much to talk about my day. So. Um. No, your your point of discussion was much more interesting. Um. No. Alright, yep. Um, Alright, so my article. I had. So, I was thinking about this concept. I could be coming at this wrong. Um, 
like it just like some of the life skills that I actually picked up from gaming, which aren't like immediately obvious until like mm-hmm. I started to think about them. And I don't know if this applies to everyone because like I think depending on like what games you played and how you came at those games, you're going to take away different things. Um, some of them kind of uh, nurture these skills directly through game mechanics or um, it could just be like more generic. And So go through the, the ones that this article talks about. Like I think from what we've both looked at, some of them we might agree on. Uh, some of them maybe we disagree or want to discuss. And then I'll throw in, hopefully I can remember the ones that I'm thinking of originally. Um, so going through this article, they've just kind of given like 10 points that they think that uh, video games have helped with. Uh, so the first one is mathematics. Saying numbers are important to playing games and designing them. In Counter-Strike, for example, you have to think about distance, angles, timing, using your weapons right to take out the enemy. Um, first-person shooters or immersive genre help you absorb math lessons in a fun way. Um, and they also give the example of RPGs, use a lot of math, and so forth. What, what's your take on this, Angus? Like, games teach you mathematics? Yeah, I, I, for sure. I think that's a, like a, quite a clear one. I mean, arithmetic, for sure. Like, even Counter-Strike, you have to roughly know how much money... Like, whether you have enough money to buy all the items you want. Right. Um, uh, yeah, parabolic motion, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I think so. Right. I didn't. I was going to push back on this a bit, actually, because I feel like my math is still terrible. Um, because I feel like for Counter-Strike, I might be wrong, but it's just, I get the feeling you're more likely to, like, learn the amounts, like, through rope. <laughs> memorization more so than like actually adding up the numbers like really quickly unless they're very simple numbers right um but even if they there's like a couple of numbers you're like oh quickly off the top of your head tell me like what is like kevlar plus pistol plus this assault rifle and a grenade like what is that all that and i think people might still take a little while in case they were like really simple numbers um Unless, like, I think you tend to play it so much that you might, like, play a certain kit and then you just remembered exactly how much that specific kit you're looking for. Because mm. that also plays into, like, also just repetition of play. Like, you'll know if you have X amount of money, you're more comfortable buying a certain thing or, like, saving a certain parts of the game. Yep. Um, so where I was going to lean with this is not so much just the raw mathematics with it, but actually, like tying in the whole lesson which is sometimes you play rounds to save for like a more important round later um so it's a bit math oriented but it's also like in a more general scope like being able to plan ahead like and have um have a reason for it um i get what they're saying with the distances angles and timing the weapons i totally agree with all of that um i didn't really get that i mean i i always thought like that's what would what, what would you learn? Like, what what do they mean by angles? Like, I mean, that's just um, that's more geometry, like. But don't uh, they learn this kind of stuff from just walking around? Like, um, <laughs> if I walk here, I can see through that window. Yeah, like I I don't know. Like when they were talking about distance, like the only one I was thinking of because usually guns are, I don't know if there's much fall off on the bullets in um, Counter Strike. Some other games have a lot more fall-off, like if you're using yep. bows. Um, yep. 
potentially they might be talking about throwing grenades. Like I know there's a lot of oh, true, yeah. fancy throwing of grenades off like bouncing it off things and like knowing the distances. Um, timings is pretty big. Like say like especially when you spawn. And that's also an experience thing that can come from rope memory is just knowing if you sprint your fastest and they sprint their fastest, where's the point that you're most likely to see them and then throwing grenades at that place or like where to set up defensively. Um, And again, it's like some of the stuff I don't feel like is an isolated lesson, but it like ties in the whole lesson together and people aren't, they might not realize specifically that's what's happening. Um, yeah, you could say maybe... Because they, they, they give the RPG one about math too. Um, I'm not sure, like... The RPGs have math. I'm just not sure how much people actually pay attention to the underlying math. Um, yep. Like, essentially, you're just, like, mm-hmm. bigger bigger gun, bigger, bigger sword, better armor. Like, I don't feel like it's very often that you're forced to balance them. You might do some, like quick arithmetic like oh like in pokemon or whatever you're like ah this guy hit me so hard that if i use a potion or whatever yeah full heal um he's just gonna hit me back to this position so it's not worth doing it you know like if if you get hit at 50 percent um if you heal he's just gonna hit you back to 50 percent and you're back to where you started which is kind of you know yeah that's true yeah um i was gonna say like the extension of this um, for like when you become sometimes in more professional scenes is they'll know exactly like how many hits of certain things it'll take to achieve a certain thing. Yep. So um, like in StarCraft when we were getting like when you get really competitive you start to like learn all these numbers. I'm not sure if so much we learnt them ourselves. I don't think it was the case but it just becomes a general community consensus that you try to learn and it's really hard or at least, like, I think these things are pretty significant in your learning curve. So, like, mm. StarCraft 2, it was something like, if you got plus one attack upgrade on a Zealot, you could basically two-hit a Zergling, as opposed yep. to three hits. Yep. It sounds, like, really minor, but that's actually a massive reduction in, like, time um, yep. to attack. It's a reduction of one-third, right? Yeah, yeah it's really, really big. Um, so there's cases like that where you can just straight up win battles that you would lose um, and it gives you like some analytics for it um, potentially like I don't know if in Counter-Strike because I didn't play it enough but maybe you know if someone's been hit at all maybe you can like leg shot them with an AWP as opposed to going for a headshot or something mm. um, I'm not sure what the cases of the damages are with Counter-Strike I think um, but yeah it'd be interesting so I think that definitely exists in games like um. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, that's true in Counter Strike. Actually, like you can say, "Oh, you hit him in the head, but he didn't die," um, and you're pretty sure you hit them in the head. Then you have like a, you would suspect you must be on like ten percent HP or something. So then you think, okay, I could just throw a grenade, and I roughly in that direction should get him, or I could just um, spray the rest of my cartridge in that direction, and if one bullet hits, then should be good, right? So um. Yeah, that kind of thinking will definitely apply to other things. Yeah, like, that's where I was kind of leaning with this argument, is, like, it's not so much the, like, because the base skill is important, but actually how it ties into other skills, yeah. where, like, it it just filters into, like, decision-making in general. 
where like maybe as you said you donked him on the head or your team calls out for it and you know that person's around maybe that changes your style of play going forward like instead of playing like maybe a little bit cautious um, and a little bit sitting back you become a little bit maybe like very aggressive um, yep because you know you've got the the upper hand um yeah, and you could, I mean, it's still not really real life, but you could take that approach to tennis as well. Like, if you're winning um, a game 40-0, yes. then he's got to win, like, four more points to come back. Or I think it's actually even more. Uh, yeah, you go six more points. Deuce. Yeah. Yeah, so then you can just, if you're serving, you can just hit two first serves. You know? Yeah. You could, or, or you could hit eight first serves, you know, just yeah. just YOLO it in because you know, oh, I got so many chances. Um yeah, I definitely agree. And that's kind of where I was steering it, right? Is that it actually teaches, like, this. I don't think this one talks about it so much, but, like, remind me if I forget at the end to come back to, like, game theory in general, um, which I didn't even realize was a thing until I went to university and did my degree. Um, so I don't think I really learned about it properly until I was doing my PhD. But, yeah, there's something really interesting there. Um,. Oh, sorry. The, the last example I wanted to chuck in there was I knew some of the numbers for when I was playing Overwatch. Like, say, so if you're playing Reinhardt, I like, say, like, how many hits um, and, like, the Firestorm or things like that you had to hit certain people with before they died. It's, like, really important. Um, all right. So the next one... The next point this article makes is money management. Uh, finance is another in-game skill that requires math... These guys are leaning pretty heavily into math, but it affects um, additional aspects of gaming that it does deserves the whole section to itself. Buying, selling, trading equipment or integral games, components, so collecting enough uh, money basically to buy armor and doing side quests and stuff. I'm going to push back on this a little bit because I feel like it's, I don't know. At least for me, I would just sell everything I don't need, and if I don't have the money I have for the <laughs> item, I just go and do more of it. I don't know how often I'm actually sitting there and like tinking up the values that they're going to sell for, because at least for a lot of the games that I played, like especially RPGs that allow you to sell stuff, like when you have a hover over, like there's a lot of games that they'll have, they'll tell you in a tooltip what it's supposed to sell for, and you always never get that, so you can't actually calculate it. Like it's a bit frustrating, actually. Um, there have been some small cases where that's not, like, the case. Like, say, maybe... I'm just trying to think of where I actually try to save up for something specifically in a game and I'll make a certain amount of money. Like, maybe economic games. Maybe something like Stardew. You'd be like, look, if we make X amount of these plants... You're trying to work out the optimal plant rotation or something. Um... Maybe, but yeah, I don't know. What's your thought on money management? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like, you know, when you're playing Pokemon or an RPG or whatever, like, you're perfectly okay with just spending all your money, <laughs> yeah, and selling all your shit, which you just wouldn't really do in real life. Um, yeah, you just hold so, on to the stuff that you need and you sell everything else. Yeah, and I've got um, a few gamer friends that are just terrible with money, so I wouldn't, you know... <laughs> but they're great at games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they game a lot and they're just I think really they're bad just, with money. These games are just fairly forgiving in that regard. Like, 
I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it might even be bad for money management because you're you're just like, well, money is abundant, or like later on, it's I'll so be easy to get more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know if I agree. I was gonna say like also for some games or for a lot of them, they actually experience like basically hyperinflation, um, like in the way that they treat money. So like WoW is a, like an obvious example. Like if you're a level one, um, and the same thing happens with like quality of items within that game. You're like you're earning like copper pieces, and like there's no point in saving in WoW as you're leveling. Yeah. Like there's just yeah. zero because the amount of time it takes you to earn like one gold for as a level one character, I don't know, it'd be absurd <laughs> the amount of stuff you'd have to farm. Um, versus if you're like level cap, you probably get given like hundreds of gold for killing just like a crappy low level critter. Um, so yeah, like but even that. Like, even that example, I think, is actually... It's not obvious, but it's an important lesson to some regards to, like, experiencing hyperinflation and inflation. Because, like, inflation's happening a lot in today's environment, um, and people are seeing it. Um, and I'm thinking, like, potentially WoW is a little bit of a lesson for that, which is interesting. Um but yeah, I I think that comes more of a general concept as opposed to like the mathematical side of things and managing your money. Mm. Um, the third one, third point they say is shopping. As already mentioned, buying and selling is good in gaming. Um, there's also in-app purchases. Some titles give you extra handy shopping skills. You can haggle with merchants. I don't know. What's your take on this, Angus? Um. Um. No, I, I, I don't agree as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There, like, I don't know if being able to make a mobile in-game purchase is that much of a skill because I feel like the games have made it so easy. Like they push it into your face. Um, like if anything, it's like being able to resist that urge is better. Um, the haggling component. I'm not sure, like, because the haggling component is always very weird, like, in these games. I don't feel like it actually represents a skill, because you just have some stat, which is, like, charisma or something, which relates to how well you can haggle, and usually there's not even a process to haggling. You just go, I'd like to buy it for X amount, and if you pick a number too high or too low, the merchant just gets angry at you. Um, Like, maybe that's how actual haggling works. I don't think... I'm trying to think of the last time I haggled with someone over Wait, something. Real life. Yeah, I don't think I have. Like, at least I don't think it's a big thing in Australia, right? Um, yeah, not really. Unless you're like doing a job interview or selling your car or buying a car. You know, you know what I mean. Unless you're doing yeah. like one of those person-to-person. That's purchases. true. I did see it a bit on like, say, Facebook Marketplace. It yeah. seems to be like pretty rife in the like with people selling. Um, person to person and yeah I guess like you can do it though I mean like uh, I used to work in a furniture store and people would always try um, get a price it was surprising how often people would try to get a get a discount that is actually true because um uh, I made a friend recently who like actually haggles on a lot of stuff and I picked it up from them like I didn't even realize it was a thing they were like one of the best bargainers I've ever seen so yeah, no, I I did the same thing. They they did it for like a mattress. They got an insane deal on a mattress, and they got an ins- and then I got a deal on a TV. I think it was. 
Um, but yeah, like, it's pretty insane, I guess, like, even just asking, like, the way they went about it, it was like, I just thought there'd be more skill to it, and maybe that's what the game is going to tell you. It's just like, yeah, I want that's this. That's why I think it's, um, um, that's why I think it's not something you can learn from a game, because, um, I think the hard part of haggling is, like, being brave enough to ask, and if you're just pressing a button in the game, it's not yeah, really brave. I agree with you. It's like, it's an anxiety or interpersonal skill. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. I think I... Can you I'm, imagine going into, like, Woolworths? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not going like to happen. It's like a bag of yeah. twisties, and they're like, it's like 199. You're like, can you do 149? And like, no, man, we don't do it like that. Okay. About 175. <laughs> like, yeah, no, they don't just, care. We just don't. I don't think you get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I get that. Um... Right. Uh, do you think, like, sorry, just one little thing, like, on negotiating, I was just thinking, like, potentially it's it's customer-customer facing, or it's, like, generally the bigger the ticket the item, the more room there is um, for the negotiation. It's, like, if it's really yeah, small. Yeah, bigger ticket items, so there's more room. Because I was thinking, this might need be actually, like, I was thinking about buying a house, and how it's like your biggest decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Like it's an insanely big purchase. Like yep. for a lot of people, like eight hundred thousand or above. It's kind of the median house price. And like I was just thinking, even being like negotiating off something like five percent to ten percent might be like a good year or two salary. Like that's yeah. pretty insane to think. It's like just having that skill, like I think that should actually be I don't think a lot of people think of it that way, but I'm like, time-wise, investing in the negotiating skill, like, even if you only apply it in that one situation, would potentially save you a whole year or two worth of work over mm-hmm. the span mm-hmm. of your life. Which is just insane to put into perspective. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, so the fourth point is planning. The most popular video games are those that challenge players. Quests, battles, puzzles... And even building a life of your character can demand some effort, which is more effective place to plan. Gamers learn to strategize about a range of goals, short-term, long-term. If you want to outsmart a tough enemy or create a powerful empire, you need to think about the factors about gathering resources, finding your opponent's weaknesses, and how to beat obstacles. This is... um, This is pretty interesting. What do you think of this, Angus? Yeah, no, I think this this is definitely true. Um, I can think of planning as a big part of a lot of games that I've played. Um, yeah, I would definitely agree. I'd say this is probably where I was leaning with it the most, is almost all games will get you to do this. It depends on like how maybe the kind of personality you bring into it and how much you want to invest in it, because a lot of games, they'll just allow you to invest as much planning. Like It's not obvious like how much you have to plan, but it's like you get more into the game and more serious or competitive. Like there can be very there are like that part tiers. is kind of outside the game, right? Like you could you could be like sitting on the bus and planning something. Right? I but like a build order for Starcraft or like um Like planning your build order for Starcraft outside the game. Yeah, like you might think, Hey wait a minute, Valkyries are under you But the game or... is still facilitating that, even if you're thinking about yes. it outside yes, of the yeah, scope. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. and I mean in a way that I feel at least for games 
like one of the really good things that games do for a learning experience is because they're so quickly iterative. Like it's very quick. Like if you apply the right skill set to something, you get rewarded really, really quickly. And I also like the fact that games, um, there's no one to really, I mean, like within the game context, it doesn't really coddle you if you fuck up. Um, I would just say, because I'm going with StarCraft 2 in the competitive sense here, like 1v1. Um, if you learn to plan well and, like, you go, here's this build order, and you say, like, you practice it, right, and then you apply it, like, you'll actually just, you'll just race ahead, like, you'll get, you'll just win a whole bunch of games, for example. Like, that's the real world, in a way, telling you that you've achieved, like, your skill is having a positive impact on your playstyle, and if you lose something that's saying, like, you have some part of your playstyle is wrong, so it's it quickly validates just not only that specific plan but like a skill in general which is say like is planning um and if you're able to take that to other games or just in life in general which is like what i was trying to like allude to so if you can play starcraft 2 and you go okay i learned how to do build orders like build orders you could say is like pure just imitation but if you can recognize that that's imitation um and then expand that to other areas, and you go, okay... Because it's not a... I don't think it's as immediately obvious in other games. Like, it's very obvious in StarCraft 2. I think a lot of people try to imitate build orders. Um, whereas, like, I remember playing a lot of StarCraft 2 games, and people would scout, and then, like, they'd send the probe to your base, or the enemy's base, and then, like, walk back, and then just do their build order anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, well, and they, 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 like they're scouting, but they're just they just want to know where you are. They don't actually want to know what you're up to, right? I'm not even sure if it's that because if that that I think they would see the first building in your base and walk away. Right. Like they still walk around and like do like it's almost uh, I don't know what to call this. It's like imitation of the result as opposed to the the underlying behavior. Yeah, cargo or, culting, right? What is I think it? That's what it's called. I think it's called cargo culting. When you I didn't even it. know it had a name. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so in this specific lesson for our, like, this, um, example for our listeners, so in StarCraft 2, so we're saying a build order is like the, in the order, like it's very specific, the order in which you make units and buildings. Um, so if you wanted to achieve a certain result, you want to attack at like, say, six minutes, and you wanted to have a certain size of army by then, there's theoretically like an optimal build order that'll get you there. Like if you make this, then that, then that, then that. Um, and so... It's this idea of scouting. We're saying you send like one of your units to the enemy's base, and then you can see the order in which they're making buildings. And if you're experienced enough at the game, you could recognize what the opponent is trying to do. So if yep. you if you're really good and you saw they made a certain set of buildings in a certain order, you could be like, "Oh, that person is trying to attack me at six minutes." And then it becomes like a game of rock paper scissors to a certain degree, where you go, "Okay, if that's their goal." I'm going to play a build order that is going to be optimal for defending against that and then beating them at a, I don't know, at later in the game or beating them before six minutes. But, like, essentially, this has become, like, a counter-strategy. So what I'm saying is we saw people... that imitate the build orders, which is good. That's pure imitation. But because they don't know, say, why they're doing the build order or they don't know why they're scouting, is they'd scout and it'd be like, okay, I've seen them. And they follow the same, like, if you watch a pro on a stream, they kind of do the same mechanical lessons, but they're not having the thoughts behind it, so they won't adapt, um, which was interesting. So, 
this is maybe something else you see in real life sometimes um, where people will mimic something they've seen more uh, capable or experienced people doing like just in general like say real life um, but they don't understand the reasons they're doing it and so actually are coming at it from the wrong angle Um, this one's a bit more nuanced like I generally agree that games are getting you to plan it's just a matter of how much you're taking it there Um, and I think Starcraft 2 is or probably the same thing happened in Starcraft 1 right is it had these layers of complexity that you could pierce Um, I think the same thing you probably say it for like I think Dota 2 I really struggled like piercing those levels of complexity and nuance so I felt it was like really obvious in Starcraft 2 it almost felt like a bit linear in working out how to build things and working out where you went wrong because generally you just have one big battle and then you'd lose Mm. Um, whereas in the case of Dota it's it's like a lot of tiny little battles yep um, and it's kind of unforgiving for coming back but sometimes you could come back but it, like, it is, uh, yeah, it is really hard to tell, like in Dota, why you won or why you lost. <laughs> you say like Dota's like a relationship. <laughs> it's just, it's not obvious. Um, I'm just like, uh, yeah, StarCraft Two is, yeah, maybe like a normal job. It's like <laughs> you fail a project and it's like, hey, you're fired. So Dota, Dota's a team game, right? Like, um, yeah. It really, as they as they love to say, it's it's your it's just your teammates' fault. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, blaming your teammates. Yeah, but it could be right. Whereas in StarCraft Two, it's one on one. So if you lost, like, it's pretty much your fault. You could perhaps say, ah, oh, the game is not balanced. But then you know, it's kind of, that's kind of the easy way out. It is, and I mean. I mean, like, I feel like there's a lesson there because that happened on all levels of experience, I think. The only places that I think it didn't become so prevalent, this idea of blaming your teammates, is at certain... I think certain really famous players or, like, pro players, I think, try to move move away from that thinking a little bit. Mm. Uh, And also, like, if you're in a team environment, I think that shuts it down pretty hard. Like, it's actually just really... Like, it was really moving to see some of the documentaries around... Say, like, the Dota 2 teams. And just watching them practice and the dynamics. Like, where... They're just so supportive of each other. Like, if they screw up. Um, or if they're, like, willing to go for big plays. Like, OG was the big one that I watched. Their documentary. And, like, how Anna would do, like, really crazy shit. Or some of them would do really crazy shit. And they would just be like, you know what? No matter what happens, I've got your back. You know, it's just that kind of feeling. Um, yeah, so that's... I don't know if I'm going too much off on a tangent here, but, like, that's the the team-building aspect of it, where it's really hard to build... It's kind of coming back to the making the friends online, I think, is unless you've got this mentality of I am, like, taking complete ownership of your performance, like, even within a team game, and just being like, okay, yeah, maybe my teammates screwed up, but, like, to a certain degree, just, like, knowing that you don't have any control over that. So the best you can do is just always, like, build around your strengths um, and holding up your team. Like, I saw some streamers who are like that, and I think they performed really well if they're able to get into that, that mindset. 
because blaming your teammates just leads it leads to a pretty dark place, honestly, and like you yeah. get really angry. Yeah. Um, but a lot of games just push you in that direction. Hmm. Sorry. Uh, so that's planning. <laughs> Is there anything else, Angus? You had ideas about planning for video games? Um, no, I I think it's yeah part of almost every game, especially like competitive games. Um, you know, even something like The Sims, like which is yes. kind of I would say casual yep. game. But you might say like, oh man, I want to have like I want this bigger house, so I'm gonna need to get a better um, job get or... a better job so I can get more money. And then how am I gonna get a better job? I don't know. Yeah, um, you're educating up their like skill points. The piano or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Depending on what job you got them. Yeah, and get more sleep or whatever. So, yeah, it's part of almost every game. Um, the only but one I, I would say it's not part of would be like an idle game or something. <laughs> Do I you mean, know what those are? Uh, an idle game. Yeah. No. It's like, there's this category of game where um, you don't have to, you, you, know, you cannot make any input. You just watch the game play itself. So it could be like a game what? where you're, yeah, it could be like a game where you open a hot dog stand. But I've never um, seen this kind of game. They're they're cool actually. Like, <laughs> wait, is it know, just a movie? Like you say, you have no input. What? In- the, yeah, you'd never do any input. You just watch. How is it a game then? Isn't it? That's not a game if it's it not could interactive. Have some rent, is it's, it? Uh, it becomes a movie. You, it's it's not really a movie because there can be some randomness involved as well. Right. Like it could be procedurally generated or whatever, and like it's like imagine if you're. It's just a weird category of game. You could say it's not a game, but I, I it seems like a game to me. Right. I mean, the closest thing I could think of that is when I got my VR headset and it had like a roller coaster simulation in it. Yep. It's something akin to that. It's, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I guess I'm still interacting with it because I can change my perspective, maybe. Mm. Um, that's very, I don't know. We, it doesn't matter. We say it's a game. And it's just, I've never seen it, so I can't really <laughs> give any thoughts on it. Um, yeah, and this is the planning thing. Yeah, I think there's actually like a lot of planning that goes into games that are not immediately obvious. Um, yep. I was gonna, but I was gonna bring this up later, but I think I'll forget. Which is, I had this original idea, and maybe it's not original. Where I was thinking, why don't like I'm pretty convinced, say like if you took the best players out of any genre of game, especially the bigger the genre of the game. So you took the best players of StarCraft 2 or the best players of Dota 2 or I don't know, whatever competitive game. I'm pretty sure they would have like like be excellent in some cognitive skill areas. Like they'd just be insanely like way above everyone else. Yep. Uh, the way that they problem solve and the way they approach problems. Um because like one of the skill sets I mentioned before is imitation learning, but that only really helps you get potentially like some way to the top. And once you're on top, then you've got no one to imitate because everyone's imitating you. Like everyone's analyzing all your games, and you have to stay on top for other reasons. Um, it was just I found it curious. Is like why wouldn't someone like micro like? Is it not immediately obvious to other people? You just be like, I'm going to headhunt these guys for my business. Like, maybe they don't have your core business skills, but I thought, like, if you could bring them into an incubator and somehow find how their skill set would translate into, like, a real skill set. Mm. Like, they have these skills. It's not, like, it's not baked in in a, in a direct way you think it would work in business. But I think these guys would absolutely crush it. 
Um, like they're just so insanely switched on. I have um, heard of that with like um, people who play StarCraft professionally or some some game like that where headhunted by um, uh, some finance organization, maybe a hedge fund or something. Let me try to find it. it. I just remembered that, or maybe it was my friend told me that he, he knew somebody who worked at a hedge fund and when he hired people, he asked them if they played StarCraft. Right. And if they did, he would be like, okay, yeah. which is... Yeah. <laughs> like, just like, what's your rank? <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's true, actually. If you yeah. if you talk to someone, you say, hey, man, what's your rank in StarCraft? And they say, um, Grandmaster or, yeah. you know, yeah. Master or Diamond. You probably think, like, that. that is, um, that requires work and that shows that you can stick with something. I mean, yeah, right. Whereas if, if you're, like, level 80 and WoW, it's like, whoa. You, you invested time. <laughs> yeah, you invested time. So I guess that's still... Um, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of respect those games where your skills transfer as opposed to like those games that require time. Yeah, like definitely. Cause I, I think they're just skill-based games versus grinding-based games. Yeah, because you could say you could play StarCraft to all your life and never hit Grandmaster, right? Like that's, yep. that's like only that's a very small done. percentage. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I got to I got to like high masters. And then I like sat down and I actually thought about how much effort I'd have to put in to make GM. And yeah. I'm like, for just this shiny symbol. And it's I was like, cool, though. it's pretty cool. But I just went, like, <laughs> the amount of effort that I recognized that I'd have to put in, like I was already playing it a lot to get yeah. to that level. And I went, this is have to become my life to become GM at this point. And yep. I went, no, I don't want to commit to that. Um, so yeah, I definitely shame. think <laughs> it's a shame. Could have been a contender. <laughs> I could have had one the GM symbol on my profile for like could one season. Could have been somebody, Jason. Could have been somebody. Yeah, no. Because like, for the listeners, GM is your top 200 players, I think, in the region. So you'd be like top 200 players in StarCraft 2 in like America or top 200 players in, say, Southeast Asia region. It's like insanely difficult to get. Um, not impossible. It just means you have to put in like a lot of work. Uh yeah, I don't know. I I think that's a deep reflection on the character, like because it's not something you can kind of bullshit, really. Um, yeah. You have to work your way into it. Like you know, th- um, that the the whole rating system kind of pr- brings me up to something else about games. Um, so, um, in StarCraft, there's like, um, these leagues. You know, I think it's like bronze, copper, silver, gold, platinum, blah blah blah. Yeah. But that. That um, those leagues aren't kind of evenly spread. They try to yeah, they keep changing the percentages. Yeah, because they don't want you to be in the bottom league. They um, so I think if you just play enough games, you'll get out of the bottom league. Um, Is that true? I think so. Yeah, because it's like it's very um, platinum heavy. I think like most of the players can get to platinum. Yeah. And, and that's because if you play a game a lot, <laughs> you're just still the bottom league. <laughs> it's possible, right? Yeah. And it's like, they don't want to make people feel sad. This, um, this is something StarCraft 2 ran into very quickly, right? With, like, ladder anxiety um, yeah. and oh, people man. not improving. Um, yeah. I don't but know if that was the case. At least when I was playing, it was, a, I think, a 20% split into each division. And then I think Masters was top, I want to say 10%. Maybe it was smaller. Yeah, let's find out. StarCraft. They, I do remember them split. patching it and then making it smaller. Like, I think trying to do what you said, which was make the bottom and yeah, 
so percentage. Bro- <laughs> they had copper before bronze, but they got rid of it. It's too demo- demoralizing. So I don't bronze remember. is four percent. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's really small. S- yeah. Silver is twenty three. Gold twenty three. Platinum twenty three. Diamond twenty three. Master four, and then Grandmaster is uh, t- top two hundred. Yeah. So whatever that is. Um. So it's not as bad as I thought. Actually, it's pretty much an even split with just um. It's it's kind of like master and bronze, four percent, and the other rest are split evenly, and then two hundred for grandmaster. I think they might have changed it to that. I think it was twenty percent even for Jeez, all of them. I'm when I reading started. Starcraft, but fan. I mean, like that's what it is right now. No, I'm saying that's what it is right now. Oh, you mean you changed it from like two thousand? Yeah. No, I remember as I was playing yeah. the game, they were fiddling with the the sizes of those leagues a lot, and like different things because I think. I don't think they fixed it, but like I think a lot of people got really frustrated. They were unable mm. to climb, um, or because I think to some degree maybe there is like a cognitive like ceiling that people can reach. Like I'm not sure how much I believe that or how much I've thought about it. It might even just be like the amount of effort people are willing to put in, which yeah. gives them a ceiling. I yeah, think that's more likely the case. Yeah, um, I think it's like it requires. You do have to put in time to build those skills, and you also need to try. Like, yeah, you probably play actively. You don't just queue up, queue up, queue up, queue up, and do the same thing over and over again. You probably want to like analyze every game and read some stuff. Yeah, and, I mean, like, get a. You can even get coaches. You can get a coach. Yes. To, like watch your replays and then tell you what you need to do. Yeah. So, um, I guess if you really want to, you, you I think you ha- if you really want to get better, you just have to get quite active. I about think. It. That's something I took away mostly from StarCraft that I didn't get from anything else, maybe because it was the most competitive game I played. But is like the process of learning how to learn, like mm. active learning. Like I went in like with the specific game plan. It's like I'm going to play this game. I'm going to win like this. And if you lost, um, like, it didn't even feel bad. Like it just goes into analysis mode. You just be like, okay, here's this is my plan. This is where I lost. Why did I lose? How do I not lose like that again? coming up with a theory and then like applying it like being a very active learner like in that regard and being like very um yeah just like I, I guess like building up a thesis or um a belief system and then like you're just constantly challenging it and then you realize you can apply that same style of learning to a lot of other areas of life um because I think that's the good... Like I think I talked about it before, but from the game theory side again, which is like, if you have a wrong thesis in a game, and you're stubborn, and you just want to hold on to that vision, like if you're just like, let's say something silly, like zealots are better than carriers or something, um, mm. like, yeah, you can hold on to that vision. Like, there's no one that's going to stop you, but you're going to get destroyed every single game. Um, and... Like maybe to a certain degree, like like having your ego destroyed is kind of like the way that you learn. <laughs> it's like yeah. if you yeah, if you want to hold on to your misconceptions, like the world is gonna tell you you're wrong. I feel like a lot of areas of life that's not the case. Like it's very easy actually in real life to have misconceptions or poorly formed beliefs and biases and then being able to hold them for a very long time and not like maybe in a like the ways you're being punished or maybe a bit nuanced or indirect. Um, does that make sense? 
I, yeah. I'm, yeah. Um, it does. Like. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the next point <laughs> is architecture. I think some of these next ones are probably not as much uh, depth. Yeah. Them. I. 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 Uh, I, I maybe. I doubt it. Uh, yeah, I don't know what specifically one they're talking about here. Strategy games allow you to design entire cities. I guess because you played SimCity, maybe yeah. there's something there for that. Um, actually, some of the games I've enjoyed recently that got pretty high reviews are the the ones where you build like a small economy. I'm trying to think of what they are, what the big one was called. But like you build like factories, uh, like oh, interconnected. It's Factorio. And there was like some 2D ones as well. Um, but yeah, something similar to that, right? Where there's actually, like, that's still planning. Like, I think architecture is just a, a subclass of planning. Um, I guess you have the, what is it, the sandbox games that he talked about. So. Yep. We see, like, a little bit in Valheim. Um, or if you're playing defensive games, you survive against hordes of stuff, um, and you're able to build infrastructure. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, how much of this actually translates to real life? Um, I was going to say, actually, to some degree, I thought, I have done this, and I know several other people have done something similar, which is they actually use The Sims to design the house they want to live in. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah. the most accessible piece of software um, to do so because it's like a bit intimidating to go find some architectural okay. piece okay, of software, yeah. but it's easy to like load it up in The Sims and then quickly slam down a room and then you know put a TV in it and be like, well, "How does that look?" We'll put the bed here. Um, yeah, so I think like there's a little bit there, maybe, but I guess like most people aren't really attacking architecture in their real life. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, like an extension of that is this guy. Then talks about sorry, the article talks about interior and exterior design. So you can design spaces. This might be like maybe he's playing different kind of games. He's saying oh, you have games like Elder Scrolls Skyrim that inspire fans to decorate their actual homes with mirrors in their favorite titles. Yeah. I guess he's just got more of an artistic flair in the way he plays games. I, I don't think I've ever played an RPG where I went, I'm going to decorate the hell out of my home. Same. Yeah, um, I think in Stardew, that's something, it's a big part of Stardew, right? Yeah. You can uh, upgrade your house and put a whole bunch of stuff in it, but I left it um, bare. And actually, if you look at my house, my real house, it's like completely empty as well. Yeah. That's oh, kind of like. If I said your house was Spartan, would yeah. you recognize that saying? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, I said, I said it the other day. No, I said it in front of a, a different a different friend, and they're like, that's not a thing. And I'm like, it's a thing. Anyway. Yeah, tell um, them to read a dictionary. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that. It wasn't Sorry. Like, geez. Oh, I man. think it's literally a word. It's not even like, <laughs> it's not even a, you know what, a saying. But uses this like an adjective for like 
describing yeah, it's, a it's, space. It's, actually, it's like a word yeah. in the dictionary. I think they were just no. I I think they knew what Spartan was like as a military person from history. They yeah, just, yeah. It's 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 one of those words that has like two meanings. Yes. <laughs> I guess. I mean, they weren't Those sure if I worst. meant I was going to hang, like, red banners and stuff down my walls and have it, like, yeah, spears yeah. and stuff. It's like, no, no, no. It's actually just, like, means... These guys with spears and, like, abs. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. I think that was her That was her reaction. I'm like, Jason, that would look terrible at your house. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, it just means there's, like, nothing in it. Like, it's just nothing. Um, yeah. She's like, why don't you just say sparse then? And I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, it's sparse. Because um, but you, you could make that argument every time somebody uses the word. It's like, why didn't you, try, <laughs> why didn't you use the synonym? But I, I mean, like, I, I, <laughs> I get it, I get it. I just, I don't know where I heard Spartan, and maybe it's not as widely used and recognized. No, um, I think it is. I think your friend is just, no, you know. It's okay. Um, it, was just, it was just a question. All right, so um, <laughs> interior exterior yeah i don't know i actually play with some friends who get really really into the interior and exterior yeah. design yeah. um it's very like player I dependent yeah. yeah i think uh and actually like only because of my recent experience with a friend that i've actually started to take more of an interest in that with my house um i got like plants and artwork and stuff it doesn't feel like my standard UD days, <laughs> like no one is. It, am I stereotyping? If I feel like it's most guys actually who just don't care about decorating their house, I feel, I no, feel I think like that's probably true. Yeah, and then if I if I'm around a girl a long time in a space, it's just like they want to like turn it into like a real home. Um, Although my housemate at uni loved decorating, um, I don't know if you remember him, Daniel. No. <laughs> he was such a funny dude. <laughs> oh, no, I think I do. I think I do. Yeah, he was an interesting guy. <laughs> yeah, I remember now. He loved decorating, you said. Yep. Yeah. Right. Anyways, <laughs> that's the whole thing. Um, <laughs> he had this really funny story. Yep. Where he, I think he's a programmer or something. Or I think he was, everyone around us was a programmer. Or maybe he's not. Like yeah, I think let's just say he's a programmer. So he was working at some company, and they make some product that like ten people in the company use. So they make like an internal tool for the company. Right. Um, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I'd like to put in a feature request." And they're like, "Okay, what, what do you think we should build next?" He'd say, "I think we should like make the app more accessible." You know. So that blind people and people that are <laughs> deaf and this kind of stuff can Wait. can use it. <laughs> Isn't it just for people in house? Yeah, and they said, "Well, yeah, that's a nice idea, but nobody who works here is <laughs> blind or deaf." And he's like, "It's because of the app." <laughs> he said, "If we made the app more accessible, oh they'd be able to hire those people." And they're like, "Uh." <laughs> Okay. Really funny. Do you know any blind programmers? That would be a huge yeah, yeah, achievement. It, it does exist. They, really? they they post on Hacker News quite a lot. Holy crap! That's insane. I I uh, yeah. I uh, I don't understand. I, I you know I don't know. Obviously they can do it. Yeah. I, there was a post a few days ago where somebody was saying um um they're going to be blind and they want to learn how to become a blind oh, programmer. Oh yeah. 
I think I'd be terrified of that, right? Like, I think I actually remember having that thought. I was like, all right, all I have to do is be able to see and be able to type, and I'm pretty much good. Um, so I lose no. my legs. <laughs> you need to read, don't you? I guess I That's think they I have said screen see. readers. Yeah. Sorry. I said like be able to see and be able to type is what I need yeah. to do as a programmer. Yeah. Um, you, you, I guess you could see with screen readers, you know, see whatever that means. Yeah, how slow that would be. But I mean, like learning to code, like cause sometimes you just scroll through massive bodies of code, like thousands of lines yep. long. And could you imagine that being screen read to you? Like, I just don't think I could process it as audio. Like open brackets for while loop, close brackets. <laughs> if yeah. open brackets, it's just like, no, I couldn't do it. It'd be impossible or at least extremely difficult to learn to conceptualize that. Yeah, we should, um, we should watch a YouTube video about a blind program. Sure. That's inspiring. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, you know, when Dan, when Daniel was saying that, I was kind of thinking, mm, is he right or is he wrong? Like, my first reaction was like, that's hilarious. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> maybe he's right. Do you think so? I feel like there'd be so few blind programmers... Um, especially I, like also that it's an in-house tool, right? Yeah. Also because it's if in-house. It, if it was like um, something that was used by, if it's Visual 10, Studio, ten thousand people, yeah, then I would say or a thousand, then I would say maybe it's worth it. But um, ten people that work at the company, uh, I don't know. I think I really down the ticket list. I'm like, have you really fixed everything else with this tool? That that's where you're going to. It feels like a bit mean, but also like. It just feels like very blue sky. Like if there's no, if there's no one who can actually use that feature, it's yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I think. Yeah, like I, I, I kind of like if you thought, oh, maybe blind people could do this job, and um, it's not that hard to do. Then yeah, let's. Try. Oh, true. Yeah, it, it depends on how long it takes you to develop it. Yeah, I, like, I still think that it'd be better to come at it from the other perspective. Is like having like work out what blind programmers are struggling with it and build them a specific program. No, as but it wasn't. Oh, they weren't programmers. They were just like I don't know what the tool was, but it was just some web oh. app. I think. Oh, okay. So, right. Um, Maybe it is possible. Like I, I don't know what a blind person needs to use it, to interact with that. Maybe it's yeah. just alt text. Maybe that's good enough. I, maybe not. I don't know. Because mm. maybe it's not that hard, right? Like um, um, yeah, yeah. To know, interesting. Um, sorry, just quickly swipe through the rest of this article. Um, do we have DIY? Uh, I think die. <laughs> sure <laughs> for Angus this is die uh, Minecraft is the best example but not fully realistic you can enjoy DIY and appreciate the time and effort and resources that go into crafting what you need um, so essentially this is just crafting um, I don't know how much of that I think it gives you the seeds of inspiration to bring it to real life I'm not sure how much of it translates to real life because I think a lot of the actual crafting in Minecraft is like you just put a bunch of stuff on some kind of crafting table and it instantly merges them together or something. Unless they're talking about the architectural component, which is like building a house. Um, and even then, like I think some of them like bridge to real life a little bit in 
visualization or understanding how to put things together, but only on a very basic level. Uh, I haven't played Minecraft enough. Maybe I have to get... I don't know how much you play Minecraft. Get their opinion Zero. on this. Um, Alright. So the next point was gardening. <laughs> I I don't know how I feel about this one. Um, planting, growing, harvesting, and produce are features in several games, genres, ranging from simulation to role-playing. You may or may not have to feel the soil break a real sweat tilling your charm and get the basics of how gardening works. Okay, I have to say, I played a lot of farming games and I am still terrible with plants. Like, I just bought... I just mentioned I bought plants. I pretty much killed them all already. Um, Mm. And that's pretty insane. So, I think they show you the basic concepts of it, but because life is just generally more punishing, like... Uh, there were some things you learned from this stuff like I think that you wouldn't have learned otherwise maybe it's just the general process of like planting, tilling growing and harvesting there's just a lot more nuance in real life like for me it was like how much sunlight direct sunlight my plants actually need Um, yeah that's not a problem in Stardew because I wanted like indoor plants I'm like well we'll see how well these do they say they need a bit of sunlight. It's like, no, okay, that wasn't enough sunlight. They definitely need more. They're dying. Um, yeah. Well, I think, like, I played Stardew as well, and I um, did learn some stuff, like, um, oh, uh, hops grow on a trellis, and oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pale ale. If you want to make pale ale, you need to... It comes from hops, you know. Um, other stuff. There's, you know, some stuff. There. Yeah, they're just, like, weirdly specific pieces of information that I'm not sure if we're going yeah, to apply. Yeah, and I would just say that's just like you're just adding to your database of facts, you know, yeah. which you might get from playing a visual novel, which, you know, some guy in the visual novel might say, hey, did you know <laughs> pale ale is made from hops? Like, oh, interesting. Mm. And hops grow on a trail. So, um, no, I would say no, it doesn't teach you gardening. But then gardening is easy i believe it's just stuff <laughs> up and like, I've, I've managed to screw it up i mean like yeah, i guess I, I wasn't gardening i just bought like a pot plant and had it in my house until it started to look not so great from not having enough sun yeah. um so that's just a, a case of being like really really new to something <laughs> being a complete noob um i guess because a lot of these systems like say like taking that same active learning approach to the pot plants is just like look it says it needs this much sunlight like there are, a lot of these things are relative right it's like it needs some it needs a lot it needs basically to sit completely in daylight and i go i wonder how forgiving these metrics are like maybe it would actually be okay if it just gets a bit of sunlight yep until you start to see it wilt a bit and you go okay no this is actually pretty unforgiving like you need to give them pretty much exactly what it's stated um it like to some degree like with like use by dates on food um, and stuff like that. Like, I don't really tend to challenge it, but you could... But you can challenge it. You could challenge like, push it, like, a day or two, maybe past it. I don't know, maybe you could push no, it you further. you could push really far past that stuff. You right. Go years sometimes. That's insane. Um, <laughs> I have some oatmeal that's, like, three years old. I still eat it, and I ate some lasagna sheets recently that expired in 2011. I mean, does it depend on the food category, then? Because, like, I feel yes. like... Yeah, for like sure. meat, like, for example, yeah, meat, I w- you wouldn't go near maybe a week, right? Or I, I, put it in the freezer uh, maybe a year. 
I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't even go... I go, like... I'm not even sure if I go past the use by date at all on meat. I'd be so terrified. Especially chicken. Like, maybe beef a little bit. But, I mean, the cost-to-risk ratio there is just so large. It's just not worth it for me. Like... Yeah. Sushi like, is one that's like not good to go, <laughs> go too far beyond. I did that recently. I'm pretty sick. I ate some sashimi. Uh, I think it was only a day after. A day? Jeez. Yeah. Does it smell it bad? Yeah, it did. It, did. it was like slimy. Yeah, you still ate it. <laughs> it was gross. <laughs> Why did you eat sashimi. it? I think salmon has a lot of work. Why did um, you eat it? Oh. Like Ten bucks, man. <laughs> just throw, I don't know. I feel bad throwing up, wasting food. You know. Yeah. I, I thought I'd be okay because most stuff's okay, but I think sushi. I, I would say raw fish. Nah, I don't do it. Right. Or if you are gonna do it, maybe cook it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> just don't do it. I think it's the message. No, I like if the sashimi's a day old, then yeah, cook it maybe. Okay. Well, uh, I'm just saying. I'm not. Uh, I'll generally stick to use by day. It's pretty. Nah, I pretty think you should sweet. push it. No. Like especially biscuits, right? Like, but I mean, biscuits already have. They already like. They already have a use by date that's like a year or two out. Like, why I would know, you have go to... a year on top? Of it because then you'll see it's fine. <laughs> I had that. Or like sugar. Sugar does not go off, right? Flour. Flour doesn't go off. There's I guess lots so. of stuff doesn't go off. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like an onion. Yeah. Oh, we were. It was smell funky. We were at a party the other day, and someone had soft drink that must have been years out of date. Like. <laughs> We had some, and it was fine after the case, but... You go to wild parties, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how old it was. It was really, really old, though. But, yeah, it wasn't like... We didn't get sick, but it had, like, a really weird taste to it. It wasn't, like, a sickening taste. It was just, like... What type of of soft drink was it? I think it was, like... It was, like, a lemon drink, I think. Solo or something. Something like Solo, yeah. Yeah. Um, or lift because we were debating whether it was like cordial like it was so flat it was like is this yeah. cordial but it <laughs> tastes really Yuck. weird <laughs> um, yeah you know, you know I, maybe you don't know this but I like I love drinking coke and I like when we were at uni I used to drink like three liters of coke a day Jesus yeah do you ever um, to see a dentist a lot you know what I have no cavities wow that's insane I went to a dentist like a few like like a few years ago after not going for like 10 years and they're like yeah you have no cavities wow and so I you was just like, brush your teeth like really really regularly yeah yep and she said um like she asked me like about my I guess your diet yeah <laughs> and I was like I drink uh, 12 cokes a day she's like what <laughs> <laughs> 12 <laughs> Jesus that's also she's a lot like, of sugar okay. yeah well, I switched to Diet Coke, but it's still very acidic. Like, it yep. fucking wears your teeth down, so... Yep. Um. Wow. Hmm. Anyway, the, Jason, maybe the next article we should read is about, like, what foods you can and can't eat. Fast <laughs> <laughs> air, use by date. I'll write that down. Oh, my God. <laughs> Food expiry dates. Uh, my dad really pushes it with that stuff. Uh, That's where I got it from. Yeah, he goes a bit too far though. Like he's given us food poisoning quite a few times. Uh, yeah. Like one time we uh, we were moving <laughs> house and my dad threw out the old fridge, and the new fridge was supposed to come on the moving day, but it was delayed, and we didn't have a fridge for like three weeks. 
Um, uh -huh. So he just got an ice box, like an Esky, and yeah. put ice in it. Um, but, you know, Hong yeah. Kong gets pretty hot. Yeah. And that ice melts pretty quickly, so... <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> he just got food. Like, I just stopped eating food. <laughs> when it was dinner time, I just didn't eat. <laughs> <laughs> I can get Dad, that. You got me twice. <laughs> I'm not oh. eating anything. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so no, I get that. I, yeah, it's it's personal, right? Like, I know some people are very, very strict, and other people are a little bit more loose. Some I know some people who are, like, way, way too loose with it, and they terrify me, and I'm like, I'm never eating anything you cook. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, we all fall on that spectrum somewhere. That's, uh, that's how spectrums work. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> Sorry. So, all right. The ninth point of this article, this is getting a lot more content of this article than I imagined, um, is like survival skills. Um, so they're talking about hunting, camping, crossing harsh terrain, dealing with wild animals, fire. <laughs> what do you think about this? I would say nah to you this. Say nah. I wouldn't say this is a complete nah for me. Like It might depend on the game you're playing. Uh, I played one specifically that was built from the ground up around survival mechanics, like real-world survival mechanics and things that I didn't know. Um, mm. What game is that? Uh, I'll have to look it up while we're still talking. But it was really good. I don't know how much of it I actually retained. Um, I'll look it up while you're talking. So, but, so I have to talk uh, about stuff now, huh? Yeah, well, I guess you can give examples of where you haven't learned about it. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, I would say... Let's move on to the next one. Um, okay. Ten martial arts. Ah. <laughs> you know, I I think you, it's... Like, I... Like, practically, like, do I know martial arts when playing Tekken and Street Fighter? No, but you do vaguely learn about different styles, right? Like, um... I remember Sagat was like a kickboxer, mm. so he had he did kickboxing moves, I believe, and then Ryu and Ken were, oh shit, I don't even know. I think it's karate or judo. I'm sort of sorry. Oh, it's just waiting for like the diehards to like throw. Some I thought that would be you. I, I've seen you. I wearing, don't know. Like, but you you do something, right? I do martial arts, but it's not like I wouldn't get up in arms about you getting it wrong. Um, oh. I I mostly do BJJ now, like Brazilian oh, okay. Jiu-Jitsu, the wrestling stuff. It's really good. Yeah. So um, yeah, I guess you know about martial arts, and you might even know the names of the moves if you if you're if you go deep into some of these fighting games, which I yeah. think, you know quite a few people do. Um, but for me, I've played them casually, and yeah, I mean, I. I I would say I learned facts about martial arts, but I didn't learn martial arts from playing Street Fighter. I still can't do a fireball. <laughs> I've been trying for so long, and I still I can't. really thought I could when I was a kid. I was like, it's in a game. It must be possible. Yeah. Hadouken! No, wait. It's Hadouken, right? I think so. Yeah. Sounds about right. Um, I was just thinking, I can't find the game I was specifically thinking of, but there was one called The Forest. It was a bit of a survival adventure game. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, little things like being able to how to make a bow or make an axe 
um, you know, like flint and just some wood and taking some vine and wrapping it around it or making a spear, um, making arrows and then getting like feathers from birds or, you know, skinning certain animals and like cooking them, like say poisonous berries on poisonous berries and then making meals like, or even like some of the basic medicines, um, was interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, I think like actually in the game that I was thinking of, oh, was it the forest? Maybe it was the forest is the one I was actually trying to think of. Yeah, I think it might have been the one that was a bit harsh because they did some cool things in that. Um, because in a lot of games you'll like get iron or copper ore or something you have to like melt it down um, and mine it but for some just the way they did it felt a lot more realistic like the kiln or like the furnace you build is out of clay and like essentially that was just like finding clay and then you know like sculpting what looked like basically just a big oven and then um, filling it with like a bunch of sticks and getting it really hot and then putting your iron ore in the top of it and it would just melt um and there was this idea like you know like how do you actually make a spearhead so like you'd get the clay and you made like a a negative imprint inside the clay for that spearhead so you'd get like a a wooden spearhead that you would like carve right and you stick that in like wet clay you let it set take out the negative spearhead and then you put the like all the copper ore that you had in that and then put that in the furnace and so it would kind of just like form your like copper or iron spearhead. So like that was fairly realistic to me. It was like, okay, actually, if you were stuck on an island, you remembered those steps, and you somehow found iron or copper, it's theoretically possible you could craft your own copper gear or iron gear. It'd be a whole lot of effort, but I thought that was really interesting. Mm. Um, like, I mean, the crafting process was very different from Minecraft, where you just like, here's a table here's some iron ore which are like just these nuggets or whatever and like how you like found them and whatever um and put them in it, it was just yeah it was it was much more realistic in the whole thing um uh, yeah sorry so martial arts i don't know if i've really gotten anything martial arts from games i don't think i've actually played too many games that focused on like martial arts like i played a bit of mortal Kombat at one point but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not really in either, like, the most competitive gym either. Like, it's more of a sport scenario. Like, everyone's just there as a lifestyle or a sport. Um, whereas, like, if you went into it, like, we talked about with StarCraft 2, right? If you're trying to become the Grandmaster, and the association for martial arts is you're trying to reach like no rules fights or something or become famous um you would have to join a much more competitive gym and then yeah i'm not sure like maybe some of the things in them are a little bit make a little bit of sense like maybe some of the timings the distance like managing your distance between you and your opponent um like there's a lot of martial arts that doesn't come through maybe in games and i think because a lot of martial arts is actually psychology um where we talked about this idea like in Counter-Strike if you know you dong someone on the head then it changes your play style or like if you're playing StarCraft and you scout someone with something it should change your play style like being reactive to your opponent 
but also like within martial arts it's you know in the real life you gotta you gotta expect someone's gonna hit you and they're gonna hit you hard and they're gonna try and bring you down uh say in the competitive sense not in the sports sense right um is that takes like some psychology or like like harnessing your aggression right is like bringing that online into a place where you're actually trying to hurt someone um it goes a bit beyond skill like i think we get disconnected from that like pretty pretty well in video games like in mortal Kombat, i don't think you're feeling that same you get a sense of frustration or something if you're losing but i don't think you feel that same primal urge to maybe hurt someone in a way that maybe you want to harness in a competitive fight um it reminds me of like those old articles that said like playing video games made people more violent and it's like all the studies are actually showing the opposite like it actually it's a release for a lot of people Hmm. Um, yeah yeah i i like i never you know i know some aggressive or violent people and then i know a lot of people that game it doesn't seem to have much of a match much of an overlap yeah yeah I actually don't really know anyone who's that aggressive, come to think of it. Like, physically aggressive. Yeah. Like, we were, I was talking about someone, uh, talking about this with someone else in the gym the other day. It's just like, it seems like even when we get someone who comes into our gym that's a bit aggressive, like, generally to be, like, a guy who's, like, hit the gym for a while, is, like, pretty high on testosterone and got a big ego, they just tend to wash out pretty quickly because I think they're coming in with the expectation that they're going to be really good. Um, and they tend to throw their weight around. And, like, the more experienced fighters in our gym usually get paired with them just to try and, like, cool them down or deal with them because they can be more prone to, like, actually hurting other people. Um, and they get kind of thrashed a bit, um, just bring their ego down. And I think they can't really handle that and they leave. Um, so that if they start off aggressive, they either take like an ego check and then they go back to beginner and they climb and they're like a good guy or they can't handle that ego check and they just leave. And I think a lot of cases they just leave. Um, Mm. there's not the environment they were imagining. It's like, we're here for lifestyle and sport. We're here to just have a good time. We're not here to hurt each other. Like Mm. if you're looking for that, go to another gym that's focusing on, I don't know, playing like being competitive inside the ring or something. Um, yep. so sometimes communities can just be a filter for this kind of thing cool cool I think um, I've tied it all up the, the last thing I wanted to talk about a little bit I know this has already gone really long so I'll try to be quick is on game theory side um, which I didn't realize so this is like tying in some of the stuff we talked about already but learning in my PhD there's actually like a lot of theory um, like game theory wise like say you might hear some articles talk about like zero sum games um, and it's thrown around I've seen it pop up a lot and I'm just like mm. it's actually not explained and I think that maybe some people see it and wouldn't understand what it means like maybe they have a basic understanding but just say like in the, it just means like from a game theory perspective we generally say like if you win a game like say chess like 1v1 if you win a game, then you get plus one point and your opponent gets minus one point. So if you add them together, it's it adds up to zero. 
or if you yeah. tie, you both get zero points. Um, and this gets used a lot in like artificial intelligence in building games because we'll reward certain behaviors. We'll try to steer AIs to learn behaviors we want them to learn. Um, and there's a lot of theory that goes into this, which was like we can do it with simpler games where you can uh, build out a tree of actions and like possibilities you can take at any one point in time. So. Uh, so say the state of the game which is just like if you could freeze time at any point of like chess or that's really easy in chess because it's turn based so just like on your turn you say that's the state it's like it's my turn this is where all the pieces are say that's the state of the game Um, and for like the equivalent of that is like being able to save and load it and like nothing would have changed and then you look at all the actions you could take so you could look at all the pieces that you have available who can possibly move and then and then reasoning out from there, uh, like maybe the next move doesn't lead to a win, but if it does, you would just take that. And then you go, okay, I'll take my action. And it's the idea that I want to take the action that maximizes my probability of winning. And I know my, but I also want to take an action that minimizes the probability of my uh, opponent losing. Oh, sorry, of, of them winning. winning, of them winning. So they, there's like uh, an algorithm called min max search which like will go through these paths it's like okay if i take this action and then my opponent then takes their best action then i take my best action and you can like if it's a simple game because this can become exponential like really quickly um maybe you can do this with tic-tac-toe for example yeah yeah um and you can see it at play and it's like really really nice and it was that idea but you can start to apply it to other areas that aren't always um like competitive in nature like they can be cooperative or other areas it's just I don't know like I feel like to some degree I've taken game theory and I've applied it to a lot of my other areas of life um, or some of these other planning things like I think like my thinking around fire was a little bit like around Starcraft 2 it was like here's my build order <laughs> like be really poor for a long time invest a crap ton of money and then once like, I knew, like, if I was able to achieve X amount of money, that just the percentage of it would, like, pay, like, dividends for, like, living just generally in life. So, like, part of that was, like, StarCraft to build order and understanding, like, interest and finances, um, but also coming up from a game theory perspective where you start to apply probabilities to certain events. Like, I've heard, actually, this is how most of the hedge fund, um, the more successful hedge fund managers run their funds is they'll look at like all the possibilities of what they think can happen and then they'll whatever their system is they'll prescribe probabilities to them and that's how they basically assign their investments so like they were saying like i think one of the more convincing arguments for bitcoin was like look even if you don't understand it or you do understand it and you're scared of getting in just assign a probability to like, what you think it's going to be successful you think it's going to be what is it, like actually a realistic expectation that it's completely dead um, is like one percent, like one percent chance that it could be successful. Um, so like just assign one percent of your your net wealth to it or something. Uh, again, not financial advice. It's just like it's an interesting thought process because like I think we like even I'm I'm very guilty of this. Is we tend to think very much in binary terms. It's like we're going to go into it or we're not going to go into it. Whereas I think it's actually like in a lot of areas of life and a lot of applications, if we can think more probabilistically about things. Um, 
and less black and white, we can be a little bit more safe and also ex- like ex- explore areas that are a bit more risky. Um, anyway, I think I'm done with that. I just wanted to like touch that subject. Do you have any okay. thoughts on that, Angus, or <laughs> is that uh, all? Yes, I, I think I learned. I think what you're kind of talking about is um. Well, I, I don't know what the name for that is, but in, in poker, I think it's called playing by the pot odds. Right. So yep. um, if you've got like a, I don't know, if you've got a hand that has like a 40% chance of winning and there's $100 in the pot and somebody bets $20, then you need to put in... um. $20 to have a chance to see whether you're right or not, right? Yeah. And those are good odds, right? Because $20 is 20% of the pot, but and you think 40% of the time I'll win. So you're you're putting 20 uh you're kind of putting in 20 20% of the stake to get 40% to get um to win 40% of the time. So I I think I described that really badly, but yeah, it's it's kind of playing probabilities yeah where the odds are in your favor essentially like it's the idea that if you no but in that in that situation they're not in your favor right because you've got a 40 percent chance of winning based on based on your understanding of probability i just mean like i might be misunderstanding your thing yeah okay so it's like um not in your uh, favor but the payout like justifies the risk where if you if you came into it as a robot and you kept playing that odds like maybe yeah, you lose one or two, but like if you did it enough times, like over a hundred games or something, essentially it should, like if probability works out, and you did it correctly, then you should come away like winning more often. Like it should be favorable yeah. for you in the long term. That's right. That's right. Um, so you can play in that way, which is like kind of a really boring way to play, and I think a lot of people do play in that way. Um, well, actually, a lot of people don't play in that way. They just play without any strategy. And if you do play in that way, you should be able to beat people that come in with no strategy. Um, yeah, and um, when you do that, you're kind of also taking the emotion out of the game, right? So when you see somebody playing poker and then they're complaining yeah. that they're playing against an idiot, and somebody, like, you know, you can do something which has like a 1% chance of winning. Yeah. And then you bet all your state to go in and that's kind of stupid right because the um most of the time if you do that you're going to lose and it's a big amount to lose Mm. and if you but you can still win and if you do then you're kind of an idiot but if you get mad at someone for being an idiot (laughs) it's just like that's the thing we talked i think a little briefly about like investing and actually the worst lesson i think you can learn investing um or trading is like winning really well initially it'd be the same thing like the poker example like if you went all in on your first hand and you won like the game or whatever you won the whole pot and to say you walked away you feel like a genius like yeah we're not saying that a probability doesn't exist that that happens and it will happen for like one percent of people uh probably way more rare for poker than it is investing but you've taken the wrong lesson there and we talked about like actually the world being able to teach you that you have the wrong lesson and then, because potentially, like, you think you're awesome and then you go and you roll the dice again, thinking that percentage is actually a lot higher. You think, like, you have a 90% chance of being right or nailing it, like, you're, it was skill. Whereas, really, it just, like, you kind of had a good fate of, um, 
a stroke of luck and and then you get way more punished for it on the second attempt or the third attempt or whatever it is depending on how the probabilities actually lie out um yeah i don't know i just think like you can apply the same lesson to all of life if you're able to zoom out a little bit and approach it from this angle um Cool, cool. I think I've spoken my piece on that. Uh, We'll wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.